Well, good morning, church. How's everybody feeling today? Doug is feeling good. The rest of us are trying to deal with the rainy, dreariness of the day. Man, it is so good to see. It's so good to be able to gather today. It's so good to be able to do it. A, a, a small step forward to normalcy without masks. Praise God. Come on, somebody. Listen, I just have to tell you, some of y'all, uh, I have never seen your full face. And he just stole the punchline. Some of you, I'm, I'm going to be asking you to put your mask back on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but here's the deal. Something you may not know about me. I am terrible with names. All right. So I'm terrible with names and my facial recognition software doesn't work either. Uh, so y'all are going to have to help me out as we're getting a chance to see each other. And, um, I get to see you with your masks off. And so, uh, give, give your pastor a little bit of grace. Can I ask for a little bit of grace? Is that okay? Amen. Man, I need it. If y'all, the more you know me, the more you know, I need it more than you do probably. Uh, the title of today's message today is the church of irresistible influence. Now this title is not original to me, nor is some of the content that I'm going to be bringing to you today. Um, it's a book that's been highly inspirational uh, in kind of developing some of the DNA of our church and some of the, uh, the, 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 the stuff that goes on kind of vision-wise and philosophically. Uh, a book written by a pastor in Arkansas named Robert Lewis. And um, just excited and thankful uh, for his church and his work, the book that he wrote like 20 years ago. And um, sometimes millennial like me just need to be reminded that there's good stuff that happened before 1999. I really thought that the people that were not millennials and older would say amen to that point. There we go. And so here's the deal. I want to talk to us today about this idea of being the church of irresistible influence. I want to, to help you kind of understand where I'm going. I'm going to ask you to daydream with me for a little bit. So whatever you got to do to get in your Zen place, your daydreaming place, if you need to close your eyes or whatever, I want, to, I want you to imagine some things uh, with me. I want you to think about... I want you to think about our community. I want you to think about our city. I want you to think about the Northland. I want you to think about where you work. I want you to think about where you shop for groceries. I want you to think about where you get your overpriced coffee. I want you to think about the neighborhood that your kids play in. I want you to think about the place where you go to work out. You got it? I'm gonna assume by silence that means yes. I want you to think for just a second. I want you to imagine the Northland being genuinely grateful and thankful that Discover Church is here. The people who aren't connected to our church are thankful because they see our lives. They see the way that we live. They see the way that we serve the community. And they, they're genuinely thankful that Discover Church has decided to move into the neighborhood. I want you to think about city leaders, community leaders, business leaders, and elected officials. I want you to imagine them valuing our church in such a way that, that they are eager to partner with us when it comes to things that impact the lives of people in our community. And not only are they eager to partner with us, but they actually seek us out. They're, they're, they're thankful for the voice and not just the voice, but the action of what we do and what we have done in the community. I want you to imagine our neighborhoods and our neighbors. I want you to imagine them catching them talking about us behind our backs in a good way. 
that people who don't come to Discover Church tell other people who don't come to Discover Church that they're thankful that Discover Church is here. Because of the way that they witnessed, the way that they saw Discover Church, not just the church, but the people making an impact in the community, tangibly demonstrating and showing the love of Jesus in a practical way. I want you to think about the cynics and the critics, the people who kind of laugh God away and kind of stiff arm the Bible and, and kind, of, kind of mock religion in Jesus. When you think about them even being, being challenged in their unbelief based off of the things that they see in your life. And not just the way that you talk about church and not just the way that you read your Bible during your lunch hour, but by the way that you love people, the way that you serve people. I want you to imagine that what Proverbs 11 verse 11 says that by the blessing of the upright, the city is built up. What's in view here is the idea that the city is changed because of the people who were walking upright with God. I want you to imagine that actually happening. I want you to think about the spiritual harvest that would take place in our city if all of these things were true. I want you to think about the hurt and the broken people finding life and forgiveness in Jesus. Imagine the shattered relationships and the broken marriages finding healing and restoration when they thought all was lost. Consider the power of wayward children returning back to their parents and parents returning back to their wayward children. Think about the power of addictions and the shackles of addiction and, and depression and anxiety finally being loosed and people being able to live in freedom. Imagine a community where depression and suicide and violent crime was a thing of the past. I believe that these are the things that happen when a church has irresistible influence in its community. I believe that these are the things that happen when a church chooses to show up on a street corner like we have right here at Northland Christian and we gather and we sing about the glory of God and we, we, we sing praise because we've received the love and the grace of God. Our lives have been impacted and shaped and changed by his work in our lives and we don't just limit it to the walls of the church but we actually leave this intersection and we scatter out across the community and we carry that what Jesus has done in us, we carry it with us throughout the rest of our our week. It's not just a Sunday thing, it's an everyday thing. I believe that this is the kind of church that God is calling Discover Church to be. If you were with us all the way back at the beginning of the year, back when masks were still fashionable and trendy and cool, we started 2021 with, with a theme, with this idea of a word, and this is something that we do every year. God, uh, God kind of directs us and gives us uh, a word or a thought or an idea that we can all kind of rally around, and the word that God gave us was the comeback. And we talked about how we believe in 2021 that th this is gonna be the year of the comeback in our lives, that regardless of what happens in 2021, if we dedicate to making 2021 the greatest year of our lives spiritually, it doesn't matter what happens around us, it will be a comeback year for us, and not just us in our lives individually, but us collectively as Discover Church, and not just Discover Church, but the Big C Capital Church that belongs to Jesus. 
And we anchored our thoughts around this idea in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse two. And this is what it says. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This is the verse that we've tied ourselves to this year. And what we learn in the series uh, as we went through it back in January is that in Jesus, by faith in Christ, the best is always yet to come. Always. Even when things look dark and miserable and broken, even right now when there are thunderclouds and lightning happening on the exterior, we know that the sun does still shine and the rain is necessary to create the beauty and the plants and the life and the vitality. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to be able to enjoy that as the clouds roll away and the weather finally warms up. Because in Jesus, the best is always yet to come. Now, if you're new with us, and you weren't here uh, in January and you missed that series of messages, I want to encourage you to go back and check them out because it's going to provide a lot of clarity for you about where our church is headed for 2021. Not only that, I believe it'll be really impactful and life-changing for you. And if you're new with us, let me also say, if you've not had a chance to engage in our Next Steps course, listen, that is a great next step for you. It's an opportunity for our church to be able to get to know you, come around you, and whether you've been walking with Jesus for one day or, you know, a hundred years, we all have a next step to take. And it's our opportunity to come alongside of you and help you discover what your next step is. Now, when we were in the comeback series, I introduced to you three initiatives for our church for the year. What I want to do today, and we're going to have some fun today as we do this, uh, I want to give you a little bit of an update on how we're doing, and then I want to end our time together today by casting vision for, some, for an incredible opportunity that we have coming up in just a few weeks. The first initiative that I introduced to you that God put on our hearts for the year, uh, and we framed all of it in this idea that there's so much that we can't control because the world is in total chaos. But what we learned is, is that in the world that there's so much that we can't control, there are some things that we can control. And one of the things that we can control is how we love one another. We talked about this with the framework of the idea of unity. We said that one of our goals for the year, as we are coming back together after being away for some time because of quarantine and new people showing up, that we want to be a church where every single person is seen, is known, and loved. We talked about some things that you can do personally, but we also talked about how there's some things that we're going to do collectively as a church. One of the things that we've done is periodically throughout the year, we've done what we call Sunday socials. Basically, we take a normal Sunday and we just put some sprinkles on top and make it a little bit better. We did that on the Super Bowl, which, too soon? Probably too soon still. But we did that on the Super Bowl and we had some fun in the, in the lobby. We did it on Mother's Day. Man, it was so cool to see all the people uh, gathering and connecting and, 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 and just creating some community in the lobby last week as, you know, everybody was kind of getting their, 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 their cakes and, and their cookies. And come on, moms, how was that last week? Were you blessed last week? I know that you were because I didn't have any bunt cakes to take home for me to eat. I wasn't mad about it. I mean that. So we've done a couple of things. Another thing that we talk about often, if you want to get connected, if you want to be seen and known and loved at our church, man, a great way to do that is join a dream team, join a small group. We had uh, over 15 small groups meeting this week and over 150 of you were connecting on a weekly basis in small groups, in circles around the community, um, connecting and doing life with one another, uh, getting to know one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another, supporting one another. Man, can I just tell you as your pastor, man, that's a big, big deal. 
I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you have to choose between coming to church on a Sunday morning or going to a small group, choose a small group. And our next session of small groups is going to be starting in a few weeks. You're going to be seeing more information about that. Thankful to all of our small group leaders that have led so well. And another thing that we did just this week to help foster and cultivate a sense of greater unity is we launched a Facebook group um, that we want you to be a part of. And here's the deal. Why do we do this? Because we want to create an opportunity where you can connect and engage and interact with people throughout the week. Now, back in the day, I grew up uh, in in an old school Southern Baptist church. Anybody with me? I just made you feel really uncomfortable by raising your hand in church because we don't do that in Southern Baptist churches. But I grew up in that. And so here's the deal. Like every year we would gather for our family picture for the church directory. If you grew up in church, you know how important the church directory was to mama. Everybody had to have their clothes looking just right. And it didn't matter what happened on that Sunday morning. It didn't matter if your dog died. It didn't matter if mom and dad argued on the whole way there. All that mattered was is for those two seconds when you were sitting in front of that blank blue screen behind you and one of you was sitting on a box and another of you was standing on a footstool and dad was standing on the back like this. (laughs) Mama said, y'all shut up and smile. And for a moment, you look like the perfect family. And it was cemented in the legacy of the church directory until next year. Well, we don't do that kind of stuff these, these days, at least not here. And so we want to create a, an opportunity for you to connect and engage and interact with each other. Here, here's the deal. Why, why are we doing this? It's not so that, we can, so that we as a church can get more information to you. That's not why we're doing this. We're doing this so that you as a church can have an opportunity to connect with one another. And so my hope is, is that you'll encourage one another. You've got questions about faith. You've got questions about, you know, you're looking for something. You need help with something. Uh, you're looking for prayer for something. Man, I hope that you'll go to that Facebook group and, uh, and you'll let us know and that we as a church will be able to connect with one another throughout the week. So be on the lookout for that. Um, many of you have already connected to it. Invite people that are part of our church to get connected to it. We just want to create a sense of community. Now, here's the deal. Don't ruin it. Okay. Everybody say this with me right now. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Don't be that guy or that girl that ruins it by getting on there and ranting about your political opinion about how somebody's stupid and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. That's not what it's for. All right? And contrary to what the world believes, that's not what social media was created for. It's hard to believe, I know. So we've got some moderators and you may post something and it might not get approved. If you have issues with that, the email is jessica at discoverchurchkc.com. I believe my email got disabled. We also talked about in a world where there's so much we can't control, we can't control how we love the next generation. Man, I just believe this with all my heart that our kids right now back in Discover Kids, we're not doing childcare back there. I realize it's creating an opportunity for moms and dad maybe to have the only uninterrupted hour with Jesus in the week. And I'm so glad that we can do that. But let me just say something. What's going on back there is not childcare. It's not babysitting. We got a group of heroes that are ministering to future world changers that are gonna grow up and change the world someday. And so, man, I'm so thankful for Emily Smith and her team of volunteers. If you're here and and you got to take off a week, welcome to church. This is what church looks like. 
If you aren't serving anywhere, your pastor is telling you a great place to serve is back in Discover Kids. Give somebody a chance to actually come to church. But man, come on church, if you're thankful for our Discover Kids team, come on, can you put your hands together? Can you shout? Can you make them hear it from all the way back there? Man, so thankful. We also talked about, we um, uh, cast vision to you that, that we're gonna be making a, a move to start a student ministry uh, this year and, and a big decision that we made is that we're gonna be adding, uh, growing our staff and we're gonna be adding someone uh, full-time that's gonna have a couple of responsibilities but the primary responsibility is to help us start a student ministry that eventually at some point can have a midweek gathering. Listen, I was a youth pastor for 12 years. Um, student ministry is near and dear to my heart. And I'm excited to tell you that we are in the advanced stages of a hiring process. And I just ask for your prayer. Uh, matter of fact, we've got somebody coming in next week that's going to spend uh, a Sunday with us and a couple days with our team and our staff uh, that, that we, we believe might be the, the right fit that God, is, um, that God has called to be a part of our church. And so um, nothing's set in stone yet. It's kind of like dating. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to date for a couple of days uh, before we put a ring on it. And that just got weird especially if he's watching. Um, but listen, man, I just, I just ask that you pray for our church. Here's the deal. Um, having a student ministry is going to be a big deal because students are uh, a big part of our community. And um, I know that sometimes when you grow up, you get to be an adult and you start thinking about the big things of life of debt and bills and mortgage payment and uh, medical issues and, and all that stuff. I, I realize that it's easy to forget what it was like to be 15. And sometimes when we hear the things that, that 14, 15, 16-year-olds are going through, it can seem kind of small. But can I just tell you something? In their world, it's not. It's not small at all. And Jesus loves them just as much as he does you. And not only does he love them, he loves their parents. And we've kind of, kind of alienated about a third of the community because we, we don't have a student ministry. I'm thankful uh, for the couples that have been part of helping lead a student small group um, and been able to do that and create that sense of, of community amongst the students that we have. But I'm excited to take a step forward. And I just ask, would you pray for us, church, as we do that, as we next week, as we spend some time and just seek the Lord. Come on, if you'll pray for me, let me hear you say amen. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, let me see, what's another update that I want to give you? Oh, we also talked about in order to be able to have uh, a student gathering, we need to be able to have an office space that can facilitate that. And uh, thankful to Chris, Chris has been, uh, been like a dog let off the chain, off the leash on trying to find a great space for us uh, to be able to have not only an office space, but to have a space where we can kind of gather at some point, do some things during the week. And uh, we are also in advanced stages of negotiations with that. And so hopefully, uh, in the next week or two that we'll get that finalized and we'll spend the summer, Lord willing, kind of building it out and making it what we need it to be. And um, certainly we'll invite you guys to come and we'll do some things there so that you can see uh, where we office. Some of you don't even know that we have an office, but we do. Uh, I'm not just working in my PJs in my basement all the time, I promise. The third thing that we talked about, uh, and this is where I want to spend the majority of my time today, uh, in a world where there's so much that we can't control, we can control how we love the world around us. And man, that idea of loving the world around us seems to be a lost idea in our community and our culture in these days. And I just believe it's a revolutionary opportunity for us to show and demonstrate the love of Jesus. I know there's a lot of mourning and a lot of grief and frustration and anger and fear and about everything that's going on, but I just believe that the darker the light is, the brighter the light, sh the brighter the light shines. 
I think we have an opportunity. And so I want to talk about that today because I believe that in order for us to be a church of irresistible influence, we have to adopt an external perspective. Here's, the, here's what happens in most churches. Most churches have a tendency um, to be drawn by this gravitational pull of selfishness, a gravitational pull of convenience, a gravitational pull of, um, uh, that sometimes is described as kind of us for and no more. That, 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 that churches can, can forget that there, there used to be a time when you were not in the in crowd, you were on the out, and somebody on the in crowd came and got you and brought you in. And so we have to, if we're going to be a church that's going to have um, irresistible influence, we have to continually be driven with an external perspective. You've heard me say this before, but the church is one of the only organizations that have ever existed in the history of the world that exists primarily for its non-members. And so if we're going to have a year uh, that we are defined as a comeback, then we must continually keep our hearts set on the vision. What is vision? Vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. What is the vision of our church? The vision of our church, we say it like this, is that we want to see our city changed by Jesus one life at a time, and we're just crazy enough to think that he can do it. The reason why we're crazy enough to think that he can do it, because he's changed me. And if you're here today, if you've been walking with Jesus at any time, maybe it's a good reminder for you to think about who you were before you got to where you are now to remember how much Jesus has been at work changing you. And it started because somebody at some point said, I, I, this is great what's going on here, but I got somebody that I care about. I'm going to come out here and get them and tell them about how Jesus has changed me and I'm gonna bring them into the group, I'm gonna bring them into the crowd, I'm gonna bring them into the church so they can experience what the beauty of the church really is. My hope and prayer is that as your pastor, you will hear me talk about the vision to see our city changed by Jesus one life at a time so much that you get tired of it, that you get angry about it. Not so that you can be mad at me, so that you can be motivated to go do something about it. Here, here's the deal. A church, um, a church is never built on, on just the talents of a few people. It's always built on the sacrifices of the many. You're here because you're sitting in someone else's sacrifice. Someone sacrificed to be able to make it possible for you to be here. Literally, a team of about 20 people were here at about 6.30 this morning, turning this school into a, into a sanctuary so that we could worship together, so that we can hear the word together. We're all sitting in someone else's sacrifice. And we have to be driven and motivated by this reality that, that ultimately the, the idea of having a vision of a church is not so that we can slap it on a wall and go, man, look at that. Doesn't that sound cool? It's wordsmith really, really well. It's not so that we can, from an organizational corporate standpoint, go, yep, we've got a vision statement. No, the purpose of a vision for the church is so that every single person that aligns themselves to the church can say, man, I'm in on that. I want to see that happen. Ultimately, I hope that you're not here because you think the worship is good, and it is. I hope you're not here because you think Discover Kids is great, and it is. I hope that you're not here because the preacher doesn't make you fall asleep, and normally I don't. Ultimately, I hope that you're here because you see an opportunity for you to be a part of something that's bigger than you could ever do on your own. 
so that you can be a part of a group of people saying, man, you know what? We're just crazy to believe that Jesus does change lives. And if Jesus can change my life, he can change someone else's life. And if Jesus can change enough people's lives, then a whole city can be changed by the power and the grace and love of Jesus. That's why I hope you're here. I hope you're not here to just consume and and play slappy clappy and man, that was great on Sunday. I hope you're here because you want to go do something that you recognize that eternity hangs in the balance, that there are people that are close to you and far from God that are living in a hell-like reality right now that don't know that there's real hope in Jesus. I hope you're here because you know that eternity hangs in the balance for them, that if they don't discover and realize the hope and the love of Jesus, then they are bound and destined for an eternity separated from him. And it matters not just what we do when we gather together on a Sunday morning. It matters all the more what we do when we scatter throughout the week to tell the world about Jesus. And so listen, if you're new, man, I, you're, you're, you're getting it with both barrels to see what we're really all about. We hope Sunday morning is great and encouraging. We hope it fills your tank. But ultimately, it's not just so that we can enjoy it and consume it, it's so that we can take it and flip it and contribute to the kingdom of God and the lives of people across our city. Here's the truth by myself, I can't change a city. Jessica and I, she's way more talented than I am. One person in this church knows it. I'm not mad about that. I'm serious. Y'all get to see me because, you know, you get to hear me more. She's the one that does all the singing, but I'm telling you, she's way more talented than I am. I, you know, the parable of the talents, God gave her five. I've got maybe three. There ain't but about two things I can do with any, any good at all. I can talk and I can get people to do things. Outside of that, I'm on shaky ground. But me and Jess, we can't change a city on our own. Our staff, we can't change a city. But I believe a couple hundred people, if we would commit to, to believe this, believe what's possible by the power of Jesus, that if the grave is empty, nothing's impossible. That if a couple hundred people would come together, that we would begin to see the beginnings of something that could be significant. I also want you to see of what God has already been doing through our church what God has been doing through you. We've seen 38 people make a profession of faith so far already this year in 2021. We've seen, we've seen three people get baptized. We've had the opportunity to pray and to grieve and to mourn with people who have lost loved ones and to pray for couples that so desperately want to get pregnant and we have had the opportunity to rejoice and celebrate at the healing that, that God has brought on people who have bounced back from COVID and we've been able to rejoice like we did a couple of weeks ago with the Weibles after years of infertility. We were able to celebrate the blessing of God as they welcome their baby Eli into this world. Listen, it's, not, it's a church thing. We are all a part of this and we're seeing what God is doing and what I want you to see is that if you're here, you are, you're, you're not, you're, so oftentimes people go, man, I just wish I could see God do miraculous things. Where is the miraculous anymore? Let me just tell you, you're living in it. You're sitting in it. You're watching it. It's happening. If you're serving, if you're giving, if you're, if you're, if you're sacrificing in some way, you're not just watching it. You are the move of God that's happening. I want you to see that this isn't just a preacher man thing. This isn't just a staff thing. This is a family thing and we are all in on it. I'm thankful for what God has done, but I believe that God is calling us to an opportunity to make a, a broader impact. 
that you don't have to spend much time with me to know that um, if there is a cannonball contest, I'm going to try to win it. I'm, I'm not about, let's, let's find the smallest pebble that we can throw into the pool so that we create the fewest ripples as possible. If you're looking for a pastor like that, I'm sorry to disappoint. For better or for worse, I'm a big dude with big thoughts and big ideas and big dreams and I want to find the biggest freaking rock to throw into the pond and I want to, I want to change the landscape of the pond. And I believe that God is calling us and giving us an opportunity to be able to do something in our city that can have a profound impact, so much broader, so much bigger than what any of us could do on our own. But here's the question. How do we continue to do this? How do we make an impact when we live in a time and in a culture that's increasingly either disinterested in Jesus or at worst hostile towards him? Well, here's the tendency. Some Christians will have a tendency to stand on one side of the valley, the side where Jesus is, and look across the valley where Jesus isn't and see all of those people the sinners, the people that said that stuff that you shouldn't say in public. My grandma used to say it like this, son, don't, don't drink, don't chew, don't date girls who do. It's the people in that camp that's over there. And what happens is a lot of churches and a lot of Christians, here's how they try to do this. They try to stand on this side of the valley and go, what's the matter with you? And yes, I just went Arkansas on it. What's the matter with you? Why are you living that way? You should be ashamed of yourself. You voted for who? You did what? I can't believe you. You are an embarrassment. Sometimes people in their own families treat people this way, by the way. And we can be that church. And I can promise you if we choose to be that church, then, then we're gonna create a space that's gonna feel really good for us. And we're going to love what happens on Sunday mornings and we're never going to see anybody new. The church is getting too big. You don't ever have to worry about that if we want to be that church. We can sell our baptism hot tub because we're not going to need that either. And we can save a lot of money. We don't need to do outreach because ain't nobody going to show up for it. We can be that church. Or we could do what Jesus did. And how many of you are thankful today that Jesus did not stand on his side of heaven and look across the valley and look at you and say, what's the matter with you? How many of you are thankful today Jesus went ahead and left heaven and came down and at one point even, even got into the dirt and at one point even got buried into the ground so that he can come and tell you, I know how dirty you are. I know how messed up you are. I came so that you don't have to be that way forever. Watch me come up out of the grave and why don't you come with me back over here and let me show you how I intended for you to live all along. Is anybody thankful for that today? I believe a church that's gonna have irresistible influence has to choose to not stand on one side and yell at the others and cast stones at the others, but I believe that God has called the church that's going to have irresistible influence to start building bridges so that they can walk across and find some people, which by the way, you used to be like them before you met Christ, and the only thing that makes you different is the power of Christ that is inside of you because you're just as bo broke and busted and jacked up now as you were before Jesus. The difference is, is he's made you new, he's cleaned you up, he's given you hope, because you've experienced the power of the cross and so you come on over and find some people who are like you were who are without hope and you bring them to the place where they can find some hope which is in Jesus. 
That's the decision, that's the, that's the conviction, that's the, the, the decision that we have to decide to make. Are we gonna be a bridge building church or are we gonna be a stone throwing church? When I look at Jesus, I see three things. I see number one, that Jesus modeled for us to be a bridge building church. Mark 10, 45, it says this, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Listen, I'm just gonna tell you something right now. If you're gonna decide to be a bridge building church, if you're gonna decide to be a bridge building person, it's gonna cost you something. It's gonna be exhausting and it's gonna be painful, but it will always be worth it. Jesus modeled it for us. Jesus also compels us to do it. In Matthew chapter five, he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. There's a couple of assumptions. So assumption number one is that you have begun a relationship with Jesus in the light of God and the light of heaven and the light of salvation is now inside of you and that you are actively going out into the world. And what he's saying is, is when you go out into the world, don't cover it up and look like everybody else who's walking in darkness. Don't try to fit in with them because there's no hope in the darkness. In the darkness, it's just the blind leading the blind. It's just depressed, angry, frustrated, addicted, uh, busted marriage, jacked up relationship with their kids, people trying to figure out how to beat somebody else to the end. But the light that we have in Jesus transforms us from the inside out and it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to walk in darkness, take the basket off, walk in light and watch what happens in the world around you and watch how people are drawn to it. Jesus compels us to be a bridge builder, to walk in light. And Jesus also motivates us with it when what, what scholars call the great commandment. These, these uh, religious leaders came to Jesus. They were trying to entrap him. They were trying to catch him because they were trying to get him out of the scene. They wanted to find a way to arrest him and maybe have him stoned and say, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Knowing that if he was to elevate one commandment over another, he would have broken the law. And Jesus in his mind is like, you tripping. I wrote that. You can't play a player. And Jesus says, here's the first and great commandment that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he said in Matthew 23, 39, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Can I tell you something? Most of us don't have to be taught how to love ourselves. If you struggle with things like anxiety, depression. There are times where, 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 you know, if your self-worth and your self-value is low, your self-esteem is low, there's going to be times where it's going to be difficult to figure out how do I take care of myself. But even in that place, there are still things that we all know. We all know the things that, like, man, I love that. If you don't know that, it's the, the thing that you turn to. Maybe it's a spoon and a fork, maybe it's a bottle, maybe it's Netflix, maybe it's a pill bottle. See, we don't have to be taught how to love ourselves and what Jesus is doing is he's just tapping into what's hardwired into us and he said, listen, go do that to everybody else. Love them as yourself. And what Jesus does for us when we, when we thread these three passages together, he's saying, listen, I'm letting you know, you, you, got, you gotta go do something about what I've done in you. You gotta go tell the world. You gotta go build some bridges. This is what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us to love people. He calls us to serve people so that we can see our city changed by Jesus one life at a time. 
That's our vision. That's what we see when we close our eyes. And our mission, our mission is what we promise. A mission is what we're tactically, tactically, tangibly trying to do. And we frame our mission like this, that we want to help people discover life, discover belonging, discover purpose, and to make a difference. And ultimately, it lands on this idea of making a difference because, because again, it's, hard, it's, it's, it's tapping into something that God has hardwired us to do. We all want to live a life that matters. I've yet to meet a single person and say, you know what, here's my goal in life. My goal in life is to get to the end and go, what was the point of it? What did I do? Did it matter? I've never met anybody like that. God wants, God's wired us to make an impact. He's wired us to make a difference. He's wired us in such a way so that the days that we have living, walking, and breathing on this earth do something so that the dash that exists between the year you were born and the year that you died means something to somebody. And so what we do at our church is, we, we do this a couple ways. Number one, when you serve at Discover Church, you're making a difference. Every single person that's serving today is making a difference. It's making it possible for you to worship, for you to receive the word and be encouraged as you leave here to go live and be and do differently. Listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but we don't need volunteers at our church. Now, some of the volunteers who have been serving every single week faithfully just heard their pastor say that and said, excuse me? Listen, we don't need volunteers at our church. No church needs volunteers because there's not a single thing that we do here that we couldn't subcontract out. We could contract out babysitters to take care of the kids. We can contract some hospitality people to take care of the doors. We could get, you know, your favorite local coffee place to come in and take care of the coffee. We could, we don't need volunteers on the band. We could find musicians and pay them, which none of these people are paid. Brian's paid because he's on staff and he leads the band and he won't let me be on the band. So I'm, that's going to be on his review. Right. And, and so like, like we don't, we, we don't need volunteers. We could contract all of this out we invite you to volunteer so that you can see in a small way that the gifts that God has given you of hospitality to teach of discernment of exhortation and encouragement the ability to be able to think intentionally and strategically and structurally to be the ability to be able to see details and to, and to, and the ability to help to, to help fix things. We, we, we provide an opportunity for you to serve so that you can see that God didn't put that in here, in there just so that you can go do it out in the corporate world and make a paycheck. God put that in you primarily so that you can be a part of his army, a part of his church and make a difference for the kingdom of God while you're here. And oh, by the way, if you can use it to go make a paycheck, then good on you. The primary reason is so that you can know that when Ephesians 2.10 tells us that before you were created, before you were born, God created you with a purpose to do good works for the glory of God that you can see through the context of the church of God that those things he put in you can be used to make an impact and make a difference. You can also make a difference when you go live like Jesus, when you leave the church. When you go love people, when you're kind to people, when you serve people, when you look out for the needs of others over the needs of yourself, when you do those things, you make a difference. And all of this is good, but, but, but in order for any church to be a church of irresistible influence, then it requires every part of the church to grab a hold of that vision and grab a hold of that mission and say, man, I am in on that. I want to go do that. 
I'm not here because of what I can get. I'm here because I see an opportunity for me to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. And I'm here because I see an opportunity for me to be able to give and make an investment in the kingdom of God with what he's wired me for to be good at, to be passionate about, so that I can know that my days matter. We have an opportunity coming up and I'm excited to talk to you about it. Because when we all come together, we can all do things kind of kind of in and around and we can all do things that make, make little ripples in the pond and that's good, we should do that. But every once in a while, there are opportunities where we can come together and do something together that we can never do apart. We have an opportunity coming up with something that we're calling Love KC. What is Love KC? It's a one-day opportunity where our church is going to come together as one big family and scatter across the Northland to publicly display the love of Jesus to the city by building bridges with acts of service. It's an opportunity for us to come together and just let the Northland know, listen, Discover Church is here. We don't want a thing from you. We want something for you. We're going to serve you and we're going to bless you. It's an opportunity for us to roll up our sleeves and, and to put our hands through the plow of the work that Jesus talked about in Matthew 9 when he said, the, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. May God never look at Discover Church with that mindset. May God always look at Discover Church and say, man, the harvest is plentiful, and man, I need to open up some more ground because Discover Church is here. It's an opportunity for us to serve alongside of others and get to know each other. It's an opportunity for mothers and fathers to take their little ones out to serve a project and to model your faith as an example by inviting them in to serve alongside of you. That's what we're going to do on Saturday, June 12th. And our small group leaders and, and Pastor Chris done a phenomenal job of kind of orchestrating all this. You can go to the website. We got projects going all across the city on that day. We're going to be serving some of our local missions partners um, and, and helping move their ball forward on some of the things that they're trying to do in the community. We're going to be serving uh, some schools, uh, local elementary school, and doing some things that, to move their ball forward, some things that they've been wanting to do but haven't been able to do because they didn't have the manpower to do it. We're going to show up and help with that. We got a service project that's going to be helping a widow do some things around around her house and, and some landscaping and some painting and I don't know all the details of all that, I just know they're doing it. All for the purpose of just going out and letting the community know, man, Discover Church is here and Jesus loves you and Jesus loves our city. One of the things I'm most excited about is one of our largest serving opportunities is gonna be right here at Northland Christian. Can I just say, man, I'm so thankful for Northland Christian School. I mean, God is sovereign and God can find us another place to meet. But I'm so thankful that three years ago, God brought me and Northland Christian School together so that we could create a home, even if it's portable and even if it's temporary, for Discover Church. Especially over this last year when so many of my friends who are pastors that are meeting in public schools have been told by those public schools, we ain't letting you up in here because COVID. Northland Christian went to bat for Discover Church and said, listen, if our doors are open, we want you here. And I'm just thankful for Northland Christian School. And so we're going to show up and we're going to have a bunch of opportunities for us to bless and to serve and make an impact right here at Northland Christian Service Projects going all around. Listen, if you're a mom or a dad, listen, I want to encourage you, sign up for the project right here at Northland Christian because there's going to be opportunities for you to get your littles, get them involved, get their hands dirty, and for you to be able to create some dialogue and some discussion around why we serve and why we do these things so we can tell other people and bless people in the name of Jesus. Here's the goal that I'm setting for our church, for Love KC. This is it. 
The goal is for every person and each family to join with every other person and family of Discover Church to serve together on June 12th so that we can tangibly display this message that Jesus loves you and he is for you. So my hope is that you'll get connected. My hope is that you'll get involved because there are people that are close to you and far from God that are skeptical about God, skeptical about the church, skeptical about Christians because unfortunately, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ have earned the reputation that we only care about what's in it for us. That church will never have irresistible influence. I just want to tell you, as your pastor, I want Discover Church to be a great church. Not because I want to be able to brag to other people about how great my church is in comparison to someone else's or how, how, how great our worship is or, or how, how, how polished our services are or, or how great our small groups are. Like I, I don't, I'm not interested in having a great church for any of those reasons. Let me tell you why I'm interested in having a great church. Because great churches reach people in their community. Great churches are infinitely more concerned about how many people are outside of the doors of the church than how many people are inside of the doors of the church. Because a great church is seriously committed to the Great Commission. And we take seriously the words of Jesus of the Great Commandment to go love the Lord our God with heart, soul, and mind to love our neighbors ourselves. Listen, can I tell you, I want to be a great church, not because I want anybody, hear me clearly, I don't want anybody to be able to say because he's a great pastor. I want to be a great church because great churches, people forget about who the pastor is and they only know who the king is. I want to be a great church. I want to make an impact in our community. I want to reach people and I hope that you do too. When we were still in the midst of quarantine, we weren't able to gather in person. I, I spent a lot of time in prayer. And um, if you're a business owner, especially if you're a small business owner, you might be able to appreciate this maybe a little bit more than people who aren't. But um, if you're a small business owner, there, there were some, when COVID started happening and things started shutting down, you started going, holy crap, are we going to make it? And I'm saying, holy crap, because it's church, I can't say the other word. I know a lot of churches who shut their doors for the final time during quarantine and never to be opened again. I know a lot of church plants that started just before COVID and quarantine that aren't in existence anymore. And I spent a lot of time praying for you because I know there's a lot of you that your lives have been blessed and changed and impacted, not because of me, but because of what God is doing through our church. And I remember praying, Lord, would, would, would this not be the end of Discover Church? Would, would your work continue? God, there are people who depend on the church. Regardless of what anyone else wants to say, the church is essential. And as I was praying, I, I began to kind of go down this thought process where God began to ask me the question, what about the people who aren't a part of Discover Church? Will they care if the doors never open again? Will they even notice? And 
And I was cut to the heart by that because I, I just kind of began to realize like, man, I, for the people who call Discover Church their home, like they, they would notice and they would care. But the people who don't, I don't know that they would know. And, and listen, that, that, that's not meant, I don't think, to be by the Lord or by me to you to be critical because we're, we're a young church. We're only two and a half years old. There are certain things, you know, you don't see many two and a half year olds driving a car and voting. You don't see that because they gotta grow into it. They gotta mature and There's things that they're going to mature into that they've not yet had the opportunity to mature into. And I begin praying, God, I, 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 don't, I, I wanna be able to have a church that, that should we ever face a situation where our doors have to close, I want the community to notice. I want the community to know, where did Discover Church go? What happened to that church that was meeting needs in the community? What happened to the church that had people all across the community that were doing things? Not just on that one time, on that one Saturday in June, but because that's how they chose to live and, and they adopted a posture that it's not about me, it's about what's going on in the world around me. What happened to that church that, that even though I'm upset with you, God, and even though I don't even agree with what happens with the church most of the time, I, 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 something was going on with that church that I can't deny the fact that they were doing something that mattered and the community knows and it matters that they're here and their doors are open and that they're working and that they're doing the thing that the church is supposed to do. And I got to a point where I just realized, honestly, God, I don't know that anybody really would notice that much. And I heard God's voice very clearly. And he said, number one, that's okay because you're a young church. But number two, he said very clearly, it's time to change that. It's time to start doing something about it. There's people in our community that don't know the hope that's found in Jesus. They have a memory of church, but they've decided that it's irrelevant, it doesn't matter, it doesn't impact their everyday life. And I believe that we have an opportunity to change that narrative. Here's the deal. People can argue with what we say, but they can't argue with what they see. My hope for you is that you would see Discover Church being the kind of church that doesn't just talk about it, but that we walk about it. My hope for you is that you would be compelled by the things that others are doing in our church that it's a type of Christianity that doesn't just gather on Sundays and make me feel better about everything that's going on in the world. Mm, this feels so good. I feel happy in my little Jesus bubble for a minute. But I hope that you see a church where there are people who are seriously trying to follow Jesus. Real people who are really busted, who are really broken, who are really jacked up, who have found real hope in him. And my hope for you is that you would be so compelled by what you see in the lives of others and what you experience of what Jesus does in your life that you will be compelled to do something about it. And that you would see us be a church 
that when we say, when we close our eyes and we dream about what's possible, we dream about addicts being, being broken from those addictions and marriages restored and relationships reconnected and, and communities changed and abortion eliminated and depression gone and addictions done away with and, 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 and hope restored and, and people finding joy in the presence of God and people being, being able to understand what it means that the past does not get to determine the headline of our life, but the hope of Jesus and the power of the cross and the reality of the empty grave is what defines who I am and how I live and what I do. My hope is that you will see that we are a church that is serious about that. And that you would choose to join me and to join my family, to join our staff and hopefully hundreds of others and say, man, I want to be about that. I want to be a part of that kind of church. It might make me feel uncomfortable sometimes. Sometimes the, the preacher man gets in my Kool-Aid about some things that I'm doing the way that I'm living, which by the way, that's never the preacher man. That's always the spirit of the living God. And the fire under my butt gets warm sometimes because it makes it uncomfortable for me to continue to sit here and do nothing. I hope that you'll feel compelled and that you will see that we are that kind of church. And it starts with me. But the only way we'll be a church of that kind of influence is when we all decide to be about it. I'm gonna read this quote to you because I think it's really important. It's from the book that I referenced at the beginning of the message. And I believe it cuts to the heart of so many of our thoughts about church. And I pray that God would use these words to bring both hope and encouragement, but also conviction to you. And he says this, our hard work over time, all the things that we do, all the things that we care about, all the things that we work so hard to make happen, our services, our small groups, our kids ministry, our hospitality, our hard work over time will sing into the cold, sink into the cold waters of irrelevancy frustration and despair. Great charismatic preaching will drown in isolated, self-absorbed hearts. Innovations and cutting edge technology without a new vision, a vision of having irresistible influence will become like a pile of rusted saltwater shipwreck. May we never be that kind of church. That when people drive by our office or drive by where we gather, when the mind Discover Church crosses their memory, maybe they never look at us and see us as a rusted relic of something that once was but is now no longer useful because they only cared about themselves. But when Discover Church enters their thoughts and their minds, they don't even think about Discover Church, they think about Jesus and the living hope and the living water that is found in him. And that there is a place where people continue to show up and encounter the presence of the living God and be compelled to leave and do different. Great churches are never great when it's all about them. Great churches are great when it's all about Jesus 
and it's all about the community. So I'm asking you, would you join me? Would you register this week? Would you go to our website, get connected to Love KC, and let's do this thing together. Let's do something together that none of us could ever do apart. May we all take a step of faith together to experience 2021 as the year of the comeback in our lives, in our church, and in our city. At Discover Church, we exist to see our city changed by Jesus, one life at a time. If you'd like to take your next step of faith today, text the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. Again, that's the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to connect. Reach out to us on social media and let us know that you found us through the Discover Church podcast. Thanks for listening.